The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as our presenting sponsor. Stay tuned for release information and a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com. Fansets. Our pins have character. Hi, this is John Billingsley, Dr. Phil Flox from Star Trek Enterprise. Now, I'm reading something that was written for me, and I think they could have done better. So this is not me. This is them. My prescription for you is a healthy dose of the Track Geeks podcast starring Dan Davidson and Bill. He could have done better, Smith. It truly is the best medicine. Oh, come on, boys. And here's how they close it. Doctor's orders. Shame, tisk, tisk. For the record, that was Dan Davidson that wrote that. That was me. <laughs> wow. Well, that's even better because now it's forever blamed on Bill. That's forever blamed on Bill. There Thank you, you, Mr. Bacula. There you go. Ooh, <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Telethon Replay Department of Podfleet Command. It is the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, listeners all over the galaxy, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 299. That's right, one away from the Mammoth 300th episode, which we're looking forward to. But today, we get to look forward to quite a bit looking forward to it it's it's our eighth anniversary which we're excited about eight years of trek geeks and coming into year nine i welcome my co-host dan davidson buddy no no insults today um no jokes um eight years of doing this with you and i i couldn't or wouldn't do it any other way I can't agree more. It's good to be here, buddy. Uh, thank you for the introduction. It's hard to believe as I as I go through um, my memories on Facebook on a on a regular basis. I'm seeing all of these anniversary pictures and stuff come up. Make me think like, wow, it seems like it's been so long, but it really hasn't. But it really has at the same time. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, yeah. But it has been a fantastic journey so far. Eight years of talking about Star Trek almost every week, and we still have an infinite amount of topics to discuss. That's one of the great things about Star Trek, and that's why I'm so glad we're doing this, and we'll be continuing to do this uh, for as long as I can see. I don't know about you, but I'm making an executive decision, mister. Well, I'm, I'm glad you make some kind of decision around here, because Lord knows it doesn't happen very often. True, true. Um, the one thing we've decided about today, because, I mean, we have a big episode coming up next week. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Trek Geeks itself, um, is, that, is that today we want to go back and revisit some of our audio from the incredibly successful Trek Talks 2 telethon that we did just a few weeks ago. Uh, Dan, we raised, we helped raise, I don't want to say we did it alone because we didn't. It was a a team effort between you and me and about 10 people in this amazing fandom. Uh, A bunch of money. A bunch of money is an understatement. Yeah, we we were really hoping to be able to uh, 
to beat the the prior year's uh, first kickoff event of the uh, Trek Talks uh, fundraiser to benefit Hollywood Food Coalition. Uh, and we blew the doors off, I guess it's safe to say. We pulled in, at, at right now as we record this, it's, it's safe to say we pulled in close to $110,000 for for, uh, for this wonderful organization that, of course, uh, our dear friend John Billingsley and our other dear friend David Livingston are such a, uh, a passionate part of. Um, and we had a great time with this telethon a few weeks ago. We, we changed up the way we did it a little bit, uh, and I think the fans really appreciated it. But as you mentioned, there were a couple of, aspects of the of the event that um we wanted to highlight today and that we're going to actually play for our fans again and those were the two interviews that we had the honor of hosting and uh of course that is anson mount from strange new worlds and and dude i love anson mount captain pike is becoming my my favorite captain um he's right up there with with captain cisco with avery brooks but to be able to talk to scott bacula who of course uh, played captain archer in enterprise was an unbelievable honor because he doesn't do this kind of stuff. We were able to get him uh, with John Billingsley's help. We were able to get him on the show and it's, he looked like he had a lot of fun talking to us. Uh, It was a great discussion and I'm really looking forward to our listeners hearing both conversations here this week. Same here. I mean, we've never had a Trek geeks that this has been this full of, of names. I mean, Mm. we've got John Billingsley uh, coming up in just a minute, we've got the audio from Anson Mount. We get the audio from Scott Bakula. Um, I, I mean, that's three Star Trek luminaries all in the same episode of Trek Geeks. Yeah, that's never happened before. And never, that's amazing. never happened again. Probably either. Never again. <laughs> 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 no, I gotta say, it was, it was. It was great to be a part of, and even the conversation we have with John Billingsley to kind of wrap up the whole event um, is a lot of fun, um, and that's one of the things that I think is so important about this. There's a lot of work that goes into this thing. You do a, an unbelievable amount of behind-the-scenes work for this event. Everybody does so much work. Earl is such a great part and could not do this event without him, um, but the 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 happiness and the passion and uh, the love that goes into it i think everybody can see and to have the response that we did makes it all worthwhile so i'm eternally grateful same here so i will do a little business with america and then we'll come back with uh, the one and only john billingsley dan it's a new year and of course we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for continuing to be the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Yeah, we certainly do, man. It's 2023, and Fansets, as always, is hard at work to bring Star Trek fans the best swag in the quadrant. And they started the year off quite well with the following awesome new releases. The Voyager 29th Century Time Delta, and that's in magnet form. Uh, The TNG Klingon Communicator Badge, which is available in both pin and magnet form. The Discovery Medical Delta, which is again available in pin and magnet. And from Lower Decks, you can actually get your hands on Mariner and Tendi in their Orion Pirate outfits from the episode We'll Always Have Tom Paris. And well, uh, finally we can get Peanut Hamper from Fansets. Uh, from Discovery, Grudge the Cat is now available, along with Jet Reno. And the three newest pins on the brand new glittery Star Trek Universe line, you can have Picard's Cristobal Rios, the animated series Lieutenant Eric's, and everyone's favorite Beluga Whales, 
That's right, it's Cetacean Ops. Plus, Bill, we are so happy to announce that right now you can get the gigantic oversized TOS commemorative pin at fansets.com. It's gorgeously shaped like the Guardian of Forever. This pin has the entire TOS crew on it, and it comes with a special fansets engraved acrylic case. You can get yours right now, and I would recommend that you get yours right now because there's only 150 of these babies available. That's amazing. And those are all incredible pins. I've already started to order mine, so they should be here hopefully any day. But that TOS pin is definitely going to sell out fast. You know what I'm going to say, everybody? Get on over to fansets.com, put that new TOS pin and all those other great pins that Dan just mentioned in your cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's right, Trek Geeks in all capital letters with no spaces. And of course, don't forget, when you spend more than $30, you will automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Well, Bill, my friend. Well, Dan. Uh, yes, we have, we're, we're, on the, we're on the downside of a wonderful and very successful uh, event a couple of weeks ago with the Hollywood Food Coalition. So we thought it would be very important to bring back our good friend, uh, John Billingsley, to talk about the event. Of course, this all started uh, over a year ago with having a discussion of what we wanted to do to help raise money for the Hollywood Food Coalition. And it snowballed into this like gigantic event twice. We had such a great time. And, and uh, John... Uh, it's great to have you back here on Trek Geeks. It's long overdue, um, but you kind of forced it on us. So here we are. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's great to have you here, buddy. Yeah, the word I would like to start with is suckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, hey, fellas, I have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> much time at all. Why, you'll be able to do it in your sleep. <laughs> um, no, I do actually want to say and thank you guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me back. Um, doesn't exist without y'all. I know how much work and heart. You put into this. We now have a team of 10 or so, but you guys, man, it was your willingness to say, let's go for it. And your willingness to do stuff that I don't think anybody else would have been able to figure out how to do that allows it to happen and allowed it to happen again. And can't thank you enough. Well, we um, we certainly are, are are honored to be a part of this. Before we get too much uh, into detail, I do like about to say event, though it all started in Dan Davidson's bedroom. And is well, that inappropriate? Wow, it's the, it's the first time anything has been said Not like that. A, thank I, you very this, much. Now that yeah. is going to be my ringtone now from now on when you yeah. call me, John. It all started <laughs> in Dan Davidson's bedroom. And then flashback music <laughs> exactly. when he was about thirteen. <laughs> Um, yeah, before we do get started on the discussion of Hollywood Food Coalition, John, I did want to bring up one thing uh, in all seriousness. Of course, the entire Star Trek universe is mourning the unfortunate passing of, of Annie Wershing yesterday as we record this. Uh, only 45, of course, another victim to cancer and, and as we all say, F cancer. Um, she actually got her start acting on Enterprise in season one's episode Oasis. Um, I rewatched the episode last night and you were only in for, for one scene. So I'm not sure. Did you get the opportunity to meet and work with her at all when you were, uh, when she was on the show? No, I did not. I'm not afraid. And um, I was very sorry, of course, to hear about her loss, cognizant of what she meant to the Star Trek fan base and to the universe. And she sounds by all counts, like she was an absolutely lovely person. I know that there is a, um, an effort to try and I think through GoFundMe help mm -hmm. raise the money for her family. I think she had three kids she left behind. For yes. those who aren't in the business, actors don't necessarily make a gajillion dollars um, if you're not a series regular 
and you are going from job to job, you can be, you know, like any other blue collar person, kind of like, you know, fingers crossed, I make my rent and fingers crossed, I make my yada yada. So if anybody's interested in supporting Annie's family, I'd encourage them to check that out. She was, she was certainly loved, but I never met her. She, she really was. I mean, it, she turned up on Star Trek Picard in season two as the new Borg queen mm -hmm. and fandom really kind of lit up over it. She was, she was menacing. She was, she did a truly fantastic job. And then everybody started to remember, oh yeah, wait, she was on Enterprise. And to go back and to know that that was her first TV gig and getting to work alongside Renee Auberginois, um, she had, you know, many stories about that. So by all means, just a, a bright light in Star Trek extinguished far too soon. Very sorry. Yeah. One of the things that I think is amazing about Annie is, is I got the opportunity to meet her in Mission Chicago um, last April, and she really enjoyed the part. She just she loved talking about it. She signed her autographs about the Borg Queen has you have been you have impressed me and stuff like that and i was fortunate enough to get a uh, a picture and an autograph with her and something that i will certainly cherish and she will be missed by all of the star trek fans and 24 and all the other things that she did um so uh our condolences from everybody at, at trek geeks uh, uh on her passing to her uh, to all of her family and fans and friends um but john let's talk about some other positive things and some happy things and that's uh we made a lot of bread a couple of weeks ago for the Hollywood Food Coalition. <laughs> we did, indeed. We did. It was a very, very successful event. We made uh, somewhere between $107,000 and $110,000, and I'm wow. being somewhat coy because money does come in after the fact. In fact, the uh, Track Talks is still up on Facebook and will stay up on Facebook. Uh, so if people want to watch and perhaps contribute, please do. Um, we, of course, were absolutely elated that our dear friend Rod Roddenberry started us off by making a $50,000 donation, and we mm -hmm. set out for the rest of the day to match that and did it with room to spare. And the, I know Hollywood Food Coalition is enormously grateful and uh, is going to put that money to very good use. It's kind of amazing to think that in, in just over, well, let's call it 14 months time since we originally hatched this idea that between fandom and special donors like, you know, like Rod and Mary um, and, and some others that we've come close to raising $200,000 for the Hollywood Food Coalition. You know, sitting back, you know, yourself as, as a Star Trek alum, uh, what, what, is, what does that mean to you? I mean, separate from kind of your role yeah. with, with HOFOCO, what does, that, what does that mean to John Billingsley? Well, it means a lot. And, I, and it's hard for me to separate it from HOFOCO because I also know as somebody who's been in development for many years on various not-for-profits that the one thing, it's sort of like it's a wonderful life. You don't know how much you actually make or generate because somebody talks to somebody, talks to somebody, talks to somebody, talks to somebody who ends up volunteering or contributing. Getting the word out about a not-for-profit and um, spreading the word is is so much more important than whether you can count X dollar or Y dollar, in my opinion. And I think one of the things that to me has marked the time I've been with the organization is the fact that our story has gotten out in the world. And I'm really glad that through this forum, we've been able to you know, talk to people, not just about the work we do, but about the issues generally surrounding poverty and need in America. Um, and, and even further, which is something that really does mean a lot to me, is that I think so many people in this universe, folks associated with the various iterations of the franchise, care very deeply about giving back to their community. And one of the segments that we have done in both years called Trektivism is very dear to my heart, the nature of what we're trying to, to engage folks about, the idea that 
you have a passionate commitment to volunteerism within you, even if you haven't realized it yet. And maybe that's something we can explore and help nourish. I, I love that about the work we're doing. I think that one of the things that I've uh, really liked the most about being part of this is not only just being, you know, producer and and doing some interviews and stuff, but I've learned a lot about Hollywood Food Coalition by watching those interstitial videos that we had during the event and and seeing your passion and David's passion and everybody else's and it really makes me look forward to helping out Hollywood Food Coalition specifically as much as possible. Now, there are all kinds of organizations that we've talked about. We've talked about PanCan with Jonathan Frakes and Armin and, and Kitty, uh, and there's all kinds of different ones out there. But this one, I think being able to be involved in it the way that we have has given Bill and I a unique perspective of it, which makes it all that much more important to us. And I got to tell you, I said it to Bill before, we're going to be getting out to LA at some point, oh, just basically yeah. so that we can go and donate <laughs> our time for a couple of days there to help out. And it's something that I'm really looking forward to at some point, Bill. Uh, same here, even though I would have to do it with you, which mm -hmm. which really is is really kind of what brings it down a notch or two. We would, of course, right off the bat, separate you two and send you to very different portions. of <laughs> Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you goodness. very much. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. God. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. So, and we probably would not allow either one of you to handle any sharp knives as well. Or food, if you're looking at Dan. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It, yeah. In fact, your, your utility to the organization is diminishing. And as the Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, and that's just looking at him. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> no, of course. we. It's one of the things that actually I, it's why I first started volunteering. I came in at my, my you know wife's suggestion. She'd heard about the organization through friends and I started making fruit salads and washing the dishes and, you know, lifting this and toting that. And there was such a warm spirit about the place. And particularly when it came time to actually serve the meal you know, the nature of the interactions with folks who were in need. Um, it really, it, it means so much when you volunteer and you feel like at the end of the day, you've actually accomplished something that wouldn't have happened without your, without your mm -hmm. involvement. It, it changes you in ways that I think over the long arc of time are quite profound. Um, I think that the question I get asked most often as somebody who resides in the state of New Hampshire, which is about as far away from Los Angeles, California, as you can yeah. get yeah. without going to Maine. Um, why, why the Hollywood food coalition? Why are you helping, you know, a, a group like that in California when, you know, the, the homeless problem is bad everywhere. Mm. And the, uh, the best answer I come up with is because, well, I, I think Hofoco is, is a model. You know, I think that there are, you know, large scale, small scale. I think that there are a lot of organizations doing the very best that they can um, amid circumstances that are, are trying for an organization of any size. And to see the work that Hofoco does, at least from our vantage point across the country, really is, it, it's incredibly hopeful, I, I think, at least in my estimation. Um, do you get that feedback from others along those same lines? It's certainly a question that I get asked a lot. And, you know, in all candor, I mean, I always start by saying it's absolutely true that there may be places that that tug on your heartstrings more locally. And I don't consider fundraising or friend raising to be a competitive exercise. Right. As far as I'm concerned, let 100 flowers bloom. This is the organization that I'm attached to and is the organization I am most competent to speak of. And I speak of it very passionately because I've been on on the ground and in the trenches. And I think you're right. We do something that I think other communities can learn from, just as we have learned from not-for-profits uh, elsewhere. 
things that we can do better. But I think in my heart of hearts, I always say to somebody, I'm most interested in your figuring out what it is you can do to kind of dial up your own commitment to your to service. And if it's in your community, great. If it's not because you don't feel like there's anything there that kind of grabs you, we live in a world where you can be involved in things that, you know, are outside of your geographic boundaries. Uh, when I look at what Matt Simone is doing with Esther's Echo, yeah. what you talked about, I mean, to me, that's sort of how we should think. I, I guess my bottom line answer is people are people. Your interest, my interest is in helping people, whether they're here or there or any other place, first and foremost, help people. And if for whatever reason you feel you can do better helping a group that is in Zambia or Afghanistan or New Hampshire or Los Angeles, it's six of one, mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, anybody in the business, anybody in the not-for-profit business, you know, in the end, you know, your job, my job is to go out and tell the story of the enterprise I'm involved in and try and intrigue people and get them excited about, about you know, donating. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I also am very candid in any, with anybody I talk to about, you know, I, I wish I could, I wish I could donate to every goddamn group in the world that is out there trying to do good work. Mm -hmm. I really do. You know? And of course the end goal is that someday we won't have to do that because if we yeah. get that genes vision that we always talk about, um, the end game is to, to be in a world where that need is not needed. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately we're in the world that we are now and it is needed. Um, so it's, it, you know, the organization is great. The day was great. We had so much going on, John. We had so many great guests. We talked about so many different things. You had kind of a, 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 a an enhanced role this year over last year. You and Bonnie got to be the hosts and you guys had a great time. You, um, I got to say, one of my favorite moments of the entire day was something that not everybody saw. And that's when Scott Bakula came in the back green room. Um, and we all got to joke around. He had us in stitches. He was hilarious giving you trash and you giving it right back to him. And it was just a lot of fun. But um, what was your favorite part of the day other than trectivism? Because I know that was a very important part of it for you. I mean, I, I, I kind of have to agree with you. I hadn't seen Scott in some time. So, you know, even though it was only a glancing few minutes, um, it touched me deeply that he was willing to do it. And I only wish we'd had more chance to chill yeah. because I, you know, I love him so much. And he is, he is a great trash talker. You know, I mean, thing is he was, he was such a terrific professional. I mean, he was so yeah. rock solid mm -hmm. as the number one on the call sheet. And that gig is hard because you've got to make the day fly. You know, mm -hmm. your job first and foremost is to make sure that the crew doesn't drop because they're trying to, you know, they're, they're forced to put in 17 hour days. So he always had an amazing sense of humor, but he also kept the machine running um it, when you get to spend time with scott and he doesn't have the obligation to you know to kind of keep it going he's not the captain and it's just trash talk and it's like oh baby all right let's crack <laughs> walnuts honey let's get down to it and and i gotta say since since people didn't see it right off the bat he jumped into the zoom meeting he we all said our hellos and the first thing he said was oh geez i didn't know billingsley was going to be here and oh, we're all like well we wouldn't have told you otherwise you wouldn't have shown up totally i mean it was just it was just now i will so say great. that is not that is sort of a universal <laughs> reaction to me so you know it's not as if scott is alone i think every guest that appeared more or less said the same thing how do what what, what is it about me that that brings out the antipathy in people i don't understand it i don't understand it really if you don't know <laughs> <laughs> is it because I use words like antipathy and, and that, that, 
That could have something to do with it. Yeah, isn't it? I know. I can yeah. see Dan going. What the fuck did you just say? I'm <laughs> trying to look it up without looking I it know, up. I know. I know. I know. I know what you mean. Dan is already searching the internet for a definition. <laughs> all right. All oh, right. that's not the word I thought it was. Sorry, that's what Bonnie says all the time. It's like, why don't you speak like a human being, you asshole? It's like, okay. <laughs> you know, you lose it or you. It's not like I ski jet or do any fancy pants stuff. All I do is read. Can't I use reasonably large words upon occasion? Is that such a bad thing? That's what you people. Know, you know, my great aunt, who was in her own right a, a pioneer among women, she was one of the first women admitted to the bar to practice law in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. She advocated for suffrage. I mean, she was she was brilliant. She was the first assistant attorney general of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, you know, uh, as a woman, you know, to, to serve in that role. First one ever. And as a kid, I used to use a lot of big words and I would get beaten up over it. I mean, literally, I mean, I don't mean like people would yell at me. I mean, like I used to get hit as a kid, you know, by other kids for, you know, well, you're trying to make us sound dumb. And my great aunt was, was so, so beautifully prescient. She was like, you know what? You shouldn't have to dumb yourself down for anybody. Um, use the words that you know, because they're words, they exist, they're in your language and they're beautiful words. So do what you want to do. And I've always kind of lived by that until I met Dan. Thank you. I, I was waiting. I was, you know, it was a great speech and I'm like, yeah. it's coming. Here it comes. It's coming. Here it's it a is. true story. <laughs> a true story all around them. And anyway, yes. Yeah, so getting to see Scott, of course, also it was great to see Brent. Um, yes. I mean, there are a bunch of folks who I haven't had a chance to see much in a long, long time. So being in the green room, I mean, oddly, of course, you know, the nature of the way this works is we are in the green room. People come in, we're there to meet them. And then we're not necessarily listening to the interviews. Right. I think you were, Dan, but I I did not hear many of the interviews. So um, I only go on the basis of what other people are saying <laughs> was a successful event. It could have been a train wreck for all I know. Were people good? Was everybody good? From what and I was only watching from time to time because there was stuff going on in the green, but everything yeah. that I had was checking and all of the different comments that people were posting, it was fantastic. It okay. was a it was a huge success success, I think. Um, and and you know, I, I got to give credit where credit is due, so I'm going to do this right now instead of waiting. But uh, we got to thank Earl. Our oh, our yeah. technical yeah, guy. Absolutely. You're yeah. talking about the green room and how everybody comes into the green room, and then they have to get separated out, and then there's all these things that Earl had to do behind the scenes to keep it smooth, and it was as smooth as glass for the entire eight plus now, hours it, that we it, were there. It is amazing to me. I mean, it is amazing to me all the trains that have to run on time, and all of our guests who actually made it on time. <laughs> yes, mostly, mostly. Mostly, yeah. I mean, really, it is. It was. We we have been very fortunate now for two years in a row in getting a great response from the guests we've invited to attend, and getting a great response from uh, I think the folks who've watched um, their donations. We tried something different this year, which I thought was kind of fun, and I think it worked out pretty well. We actually got some swag. And we kind of said, hey, donate at these price points and we'll give away some swag. And that seemed to, you know, again, I'm a development guy within my organization. That kind of lifted the average donation up a bit than from what it was last year. Right. I yeah. We really enjoy the stuff we were able to give away. So we'll probably do that again. I love it. Yeah. We, we have some ideas regarding that we'll talk about offline. Um, of course, yeah. I got to wear, I, I didn't wear pants for most of the show. I, I, you know, I, I that, we that know. Wonderful. We know. We, everybody knows because they saw it. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was, yeah. I was going to say that was David's idea. And that was my idea. 
I have to tell you, though, you know, we've gotten some initial feedback from folks that they loved that segment with you and Will. Fantastic. Um, out at that out of that location where yeah. they shot the first scenes for TNG. Um, they thought it was fantastic. Uh, I think if you know, you could probably uh, just do eight hours of that. I think we're all set for next year. I think we're going to break some records. It's eight hours with Terry Metalis, is my understanding. Uh, <laughs> yes. Hey, Terry. Terry has already agreed to be on the next year's show. He has. I reached out to him and spoiler uh, alert and in, in DM <laughs> and. Uh, He's, I said, by the way, you know, after the comments I had for other things, by the way, I'm putting you on notice now, next year's Trek Talks. That's great. You're, you're doing it. He's like, yeah, I, yes, I am. Cheerfully. Yeah. Our lives would be so much easier if we just got one guest for eight hours. Do you think the fans <laughs> will watch for eight hours? Do you think? It's like, uh, probably not. Mm, that could be interesting. Um, it depends on who the guest is. John Billingsley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, no. People idea. tune out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you get yeah. Sir Patrick Stewart, uh, I think people are locked in for all eight. Yeah. Yes. Um, if you get Dan Davidson, nobody's watching. What? Yeah. My mom will. Well, no, she won't. No, she won't. <laughs> wow. Well, well, you know, that's the nice thing is, I mean, with the so many iterations of Star Trek now, past and present, and all the various people who are behind the scenes as well, the writers and the directors and the technicians and the actors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera it's not as if we have even scratched the surface, I think, of the yeah. potential guests that we might have ahead for next year because and we are I doing think, it again dare i say we are trek We're in. three is is in our books for next year and i think one of the things that's important john is that we've now had two of them they've been extremely successful not only from the standpoint of the money that we've raised for hollywood food coalition and the response that we've gotten from the people who've watched it but the response from the guests has been incredible yeah. so yeah. i think it's going to be i think it's very important that now that we got two under our belt words going to get around to all of the the people in the star trek universe that this is a real thing it's legitimate it helps people and i think that's going to help us get bigger and well not bigger but 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 Bigger names, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah bigger and, names. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And I mean, us. I know, again, from a development perspective, if we ever were able to get sponsorships, if we were able to get mm -hmm. kind of Bali High, hey, Paramount, hey, Paramount, I mean, you know, yeah. you're listening. I, I definitely would love to see it become a more lucrative event. And I do think the more that people kind of get the idea that it's not just about fundraising for the Hollywood Food Coalition, but it's also about continuing to kind of talk about the way in which this community as a community is dedicated to Gene's vision. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it has legs for the future. I'm very excited about that. And wasn't Bonnie wonderful? There are other people that oh, I amazing. Fantastic. I mean, John Champion, you know, yeah. what a yeah. rock star. No, yeah. John and uh, John, as I often say, you boys are the ones who, when we talked about this, said, let's do this, <laughs> this uh, Jerry Lewis thing. I was talking to John three years ago about what could we do? What could we do that might use Rod and kind of get the Roddenberry podcast world involved? So he's also been in from the, you know, ground floor. Hmm. I just kind of took that as he really didn't do nothing, and it was up to the Trek geeks to get it going. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm all about comedy and amity. Dan, you're going to need to look those up. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even hear what he said. I was it's just watching your reaction of antipathy. <laughs> yeah. Antipathy. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Highly <laughs> anticipatory. Dan, you want to look for something called synonym, uh, antonyms? I'm sorry. Um, and uh, that's spelled A N T. No, never mind. And okay. while Good. I'm on a roll, we got the Sci-Fi Sisters. Oh yes, particularly Yvette, who joined us last uh, joined mm-hmm. us this year. Their wonderful contribution in the first year, but also so much wonderful energy and enthusiasm. And I think particularly really underlining for us how important it was to kind of really own the fact that we were doing this on on MLK Junior Weekend. And that's something I'd like to continue to see us figure out how to... Um, how to connect even more the the message of Star Trek with I mean mm-hmm. particularly I hate to say it, but you know, on a day when this this horrible um you know the the beating mm-hmm. yeah Tyreek uh, that that was just um you know once again a painful reminder that institutional racism has has a lot more to do with what's going on in our country than the color of the skin of the people involved in the crime. Uh, absolutely i yeah. couldn't agree more i think that as as this event goes on because we're committed to it long term now i mean i think you made us sign a, a 50-year contract i'm not the sure devil and, the devil and daniel webster yes, yes. yeah I'm, yeah i'm not often uh unfortunately cast as satan but really it is the part <laughs> daniel webster from new hampshire by the way um, <laughs> there you go yeah um as we look to do this in year three and beyond um, is your hope kind of like Jerry Lewis's for just like $1 more, or do you want to crush it next year? Well, I, you know what I really, and I know this is Linda Piani Gianni, somebody else I would, I would really want to make sure I, I, I thank because she has come on board with Hollywood food coalition. We now yes. have expanded our development staff. It's interesting. So much of what happens in the not-for-profit world is that you tell your story as a means to excite people to become ongoing funders. And, and I think that there is the nature of what we are trying to do, just to speak very technically, is to figure out how to diversify our funding base in a lot of different ways. This diversifies our funding base. We have several other events that we do that also do not necessarily appeal to our standard issue donor. This is a specific category. To be able to kind of say as an organization that we have a variegated source of funding is is incredibly important. Yes, I would like to see it continue to generate more revenue. I would love to be able to see us begin to attract the kind of, of dare I say, corporate sponsorship where somebody says, you know what, I think this is actually kind of making some play in the world. I think people are going to watch this. I want my name associated with this, so I will make a contribution to the Food Coalition of $50,000 in return for your saying, Velveeta cheese. That's unfortunately, if it seems cheesy, no pun intended, <laughs> how development functions. And right. so, yes, I would love to see, I, I think it's really important in this weird, perverse universe we are in, as a capitalist who has socialist tendencies, to recognize that you're always leveraging corporations to get on the side of virtue. Right. So, you know, hey, corporations. <laughs> now I want cheese. I want cheese. I know, exactly. That's how it works. And now you want cheese. I, I saw that amazing Star Trek about it. It makes me want more cheese. <laughs> wow. Well, I got to say, I'm looking forward to, as we go down the line, Trek Talks 47, I think is going to be a big number. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. we got Trek Talks a, 3 another, next year. Another generation of uh, Hollywood <laughs> Food Coalitioners. Oh, I got to right. say, I, on, a very, on a very personal level, that to me is also the thing that, you know, from my involvement with the Food Coalition going back six years, uh, when I came on board, it was doing amazing and wonderful things every night, helping to take care of people in need who were coming for a nightly meal. One of the things that I'm really, really deeply proud of that my wife helped to do more than anybody 
was actually start rescuing more food and really pushing the idea that we should share it with more people. I think what we've done over the last three or four years is really increase by a, you know, a tremendous uh, a magnitude, the service we do for the community and the ability consequently to tell a better story, to generate the revenue, to keep the organization alive. Because so much of what you have to do with a not-for-profit is to make sure you can stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I have a deep, um, and I'm getting probably you know into the weeds, but some of what I I'm particularly attached to in the organization is the nature of how we've grown in a way that I think is sustainable, intelligent, and rooted in ongoing service to more and more communities. You know. Well, I, I got to say, John, that you have definitely um, sparked something in Bill and I to to help with this continued uh, uh, event every year uh, to benefit the Hollywood Food Coalition. We're so honored and proud to be part of it. $110,000. I'm going to go with the high end of what you were talking about earlier because it just sounds great. $110,000 raised so far from Trek Talks 2. We can't wait to start planning for Trek Talks 3 and if you count your lucky stars right, we might have you on before that event just to talk about it a little bit more. So thanks for being with us again. Fabulous. Today. <laughs> and hey, it's still there on Facebook. That's right. And, and YouTube and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I really, I mean, you know, the thing is, it's not, it wasn't like tied to the headlines. So if you want to see some amazing guests and some amazing, as you know, partake in some amazing conversations and learn about the Hollywood Food Coalition, if you're listening, you haven't checked it out, check it out. Well, well right. Right after this, we have some actually audio from Trek Talks 2 coming in this very episode with both Anton Mountain and Scott Bakula. If you're listening to it, please head on out to givebutter.com slash Trek Talks. You can make your donation there or, um, you know, you can uh, ask Dan about it and he'll tell you where to go. Okay, so as promised, here comes the audio from our panel with Anson Mount from during Trek Talks 2. And of course, remember, if you want to still donate to the Trek Talks 2 telethon, you can. Um, not only is the video still available, but you can go to givebutter.com slash Trek Talks and make your tax-deductible donation right there on the platform securely. But right now, here's Anson Mount. Well, speaking of excited, we need no other way to introduce our guest other than this. He is the captain of the Starship Enterprise. Anson Mount, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today and being a part of Trek Talks 2. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's uh, it's fantastic to see Anson. And and as Bill and I are Patriots fans and, and you're a Titans fans, we didn't really have much to look forward to this weekend. So <laughs> here we are raising money for the Hollywood Food Coalition. Before I get started with my first question, though, I do want to ask, how's the foot doing? How's the recovery coming along? It's it's good. So for people who don't know, I, I had a uh, some foot surgery recently that uh, was nothing major. They just cleaned out a, a joint. Um, but, uh, you know, it's still a process and working on the flexation and all of that. But, yeah, the Titans uh, this year kind of did a kind of did one of the. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, uh, yeah. No, it's it was <laughs> we kind of bottomed out at a certain point, but. You got to keep, you got to stay healthy to get in, be in the game. So absolutely. We have that tie with the Titans because of coach Rabel being a new England, uh, uh, former great player. So anyway, so one of the important things now, because football is not part of our lives anymore this year. Um, of course, 
it all started season two of Discovery when we first saw you as Captain Pike. And and I got to say, this is going to sound a little dark. It's going to sound a little twisted. Um, I've wanted to see that accident that caused Pike's injuries for 50 years. It's something that I've always wanted to see. Um, and Through the Valley of Shadows was just amazing. And the emotion and passion that you put into those scenes was just awesome. And I remember actually sending a, a direct message to Bowie Kim and Erica Lippold, who wrote that episode, thanking them for showing what I've wanted to see for so long. So a lot of my questions tonight are going to start with as a Trek fan, because we know you're such a Trek fan. So as a Trek fan, what was it like for you to actually do that scene that is such a part of Trek history, but we have never seen before? Yeah, well, obviously we, we wanted to get it right. And uh, so that involved um, a lot of uh, choreography, you know, that, that, that the, the, that set uh, had the potential to be quite dangerous because everything that was going on. And it was sort of, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you, you, you're, you're in the, in the center of the creative moment. And there are times when the, you get, you get a, uh, a POV that other people don't get. And that was one of those moments. Definitely. Um, and uh, I think, you know, it, it reminds me of another moment was in the Inhumans when the uh, Black Bolt's getting arrested and and just a little noise comes out of my mouth and it blows a car down the <laughs> the road, you know, and it's, you get ready to shoot and everybody's like, OK, take cover. And you're out <laughs> I guess nobody's going to protect me, but all right. Um, and uh, the the makeup was interesting. I'd never done that before. Uh, but more than anything, I, I really wanted to to have that scene in the in the corridor, not just be from current Pike's point of view. I also wanted to get the point of view of future Pike, um, because uh, I think it's important. I, it, it reminded me a lot of the end of two thousand one, A Space Odyssey, uh, in which that was done very right. And also, if we do ever get a chance to take this all the way to the end, I'm wondering if there is going to be a moment where that where that scene happens from the other side. That, that would be simply amazing. That's one of the things I've always wondered about as you watch the cage or even the menagerie parts one and two, you know, because obviously, you know, Pike is in the wheelchair and really all we have is the the boop, as I call it, you know, the, the blinking light with the sound to, to kind of give us what Pike is feeling. I would love to see it from that perspective, um, because I think that would just add even more gravity to it, honestly. Um, looking back at season two, and, and today we our theme is kind of really the power that Star Trek fans have to affect change. Several times throughout Star Trek's history, you know, they've they've stopped the show from being canceled. I mean... You know, in, in the case of Strange New Worlds, the response to fandom kind of helped that show into existence. As an actor, um, that's got to be a, a pretty special moment to know that, you know, a, a character you performed um, was received so favorably that it went on to its other its own series. I assume that was the case. Um, it was a conversation even before my appearance on Discovery. Um a, a Kiva, when a, when Akiva Goldsman joined the Discovery and its inception, he assumed that because he, he was told it was a prequel, so he was like, "Oh, it's a Pike ship." So he shows up in the writers' room. And he's like, "Wait, what? A different ship? 
<laughs> so so he was like he was like pulling for a, a, a pike show uh and they didn't tell me that thank goodness and um what i didn't know is that <clears throat> the day we were shooting the that first bridge scene was actually my i believe that was my first day and uh alex apparently uh texted to akiva i think we may have found pike and um yeah, and the the rest is history. But certainly, I do believe that the the fan response moved that past the point of a conversation, because I do believe that the the network was was um, excited about about that as well. It's pretty amazing to see history repeat itself with Star Trek. Of course, the fans kept the the original series going for an extra season with their mass campaign, and then we had the job that you, Rebecca, and Ethan did uh, in season two. Um, we talked about the accident a few minutes ago, but one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was because you've talked about how big a Trek fan you are and how how surreal it's been for you to be sitting in that chair now as your job and being Captain Pike uh, for so many millions of fans. Uh, this season ended pretty incredibly um, with a quality of life. What was it like for you as a fan, again, to be reading this script and you're saying, oh my God, we're retelling one of the best episodes of the original series, Balance of Terror, you know, complete with an older Pike and an alternate timeline and monster maroons and the whole nine yards. As a fan, what was that like for you to read that script and be like, wow, this is going to be epic because it was epic. Oh, first I think you've meant quality of mercy, quality of mercy. Excuse me. Yes. Quality of life would be a much more boring episode. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> we just sort of tour. It's a travelogue. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, it was, it was extremely, extremely exciting because it was one of those things that I'd never done before. Right. Which is to, try to, in a way, recreate an episode of TV that had already, not only already been, been done, uh, been done like 50 years ago and done uh, so well that it is it, it has a special place in the hearts of, of classic Trek fans. So I, when I, when I spoke to, to Chris about it, uh, I was like, you know, I, I really, I want to match right down to the blocking. He was like, oh no, I'm all on top of it. So when we were doing that first bridge scene, particularly our director, Chris, our directing producer had the episode on a computer and we were trying to match that blocking step for step and camera angle for a camera angle. And as you probably saw the, the sort of film noir lighting mm -hmm. that they used in that episode, we were trying to match that to really give it a sense that, Pike has stepped into Kirk's shoes. The, the the special effects that we got to see, of course, it's a classic episode, Balance of Terror, but to see it with the special effects that we're able to see today really gave it a whole nother level of, of excitement for me. And I remember sitting there watching with my wife and, and I said, if Spock says Mark 114, I'm going to flip out. And he said it. And it's it's just, it was really great to be able to, it's not doing a copycat show. It was really something that was just fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Obviously, you can't talk about season two coming up, and we know that the these ninja CBS lawyers are standing at either side of your camera to sort of stop, you know, sort of any discussion of anything that's going on. But 
looking at how season one went and and just how truly amazing it was, I think it touched every you know every part of every Trekkie with with a lot of the things that occurred. Do you feel not to to spill any tea or anything, but do you feel like we're going to get the same sense with season two as fans? I'm sorry. Say, could you say that I missed you for part of the question? That's okay. Uh, do you get the sense with with season two that Star Trek fans will be as gratified as they were with season one with all of the things that touched their hearts? I think so. Yeah, I do. And, it, and also, I think that we we gained some latitude from the the scenes that that worked that maybe some people weren't so sure about that ended up really working well. Uh, we we got to really go for it this season. So there are some there's some episodes that that are uh, that that have never been tried before. They're 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 um, so for instance, you know the one that's already been announced. Obviously, the crossover uh, with with Lord X is tremendous fun and straight up comedy, and we had a blast with it. And there's an <clears throat> but that's not even like the craziest things that we did i mean there's one episode i'm thinking of particularly towards the end of the the season and you'll know when you see it where it required us to um to work weekends many weekends and but we were so excited about it it was not uh it was not laborious we were excited we were excited to show up for sunday rehearsals and and all the things we were having to to do to pull together this one episode it's we're really excited about it this is probably a question that you've been asked a hundred times, Anson, but I'm going to ask it anyway here for anybody who's viewing who hasn't hasn't heard it. What was your favorite moment of season one as both an actor and as a fan? Man, that's a tough one. Oh, boy. Because I know I'm going to say something and later I'm going to be like, oh, what am I going to think about? Like, um, I, um, so many I, I I really enjoyed getting to ride a horse in the first episode. I felt like that was just to be completely selfish. That was a bridge from hell on wheels to yes. start. And uh, um, it was such an unexpected way to start, I think, to have a man on a horse in a, in a science fiction show. But it really is Pike. Mm-hmm. He's a horse guy. Um, and the fantasy episode was so much fun for us because we got to play opposite again late in the season and it really woke us all up mm-hmm. and uh and we really went for it you know we we were like damn the torpedoes full full speed ahead we, we just as a cast i was so proud of everybody because we really embraced it oh yeah it, it's probably my favorite episode of the season it's the one i most look forward to on the schedule and then when i finally saw it i think i watched it three times in succession just because it was just so much fun um <laughs> Speaking of fun, uh, there's a cast edition this year, uh, a, a living legend in, in terms of comedy. Carol Kane comes aboard the Enterprise. What's it been like to have that sort of different dynamic uh, in the engine room? It's lovely. She is lovely. I love work. I mean, obviously, I've been a fan of hers my entire life. So when I, I saw her, I was like, what? That's <laughs> crazy. Uh <laughs> And and so excited and so out of left field, uh, but she is so much fun to work with because she has this quality about her where you know she's been doing this for 
decades. And she has this, this thing where she never assumes she knows how it's done. And I don't know how she manages to retain that sense of purity in any given scene. Um, <laughs> there was actually one point <laughs> she really cra- she cracked me and Rebecca up because we had this we had this three person scene in a corridor, and at the end of it, you know, we walk Rebecca and I walk out to go do something, and usually the camera lingers on the person that remains as for a transition, and we walked out of frame, and Carol goes, "Sudo." we were just oh we were just dying she's um and she and she's consistently happy and funny and and makes the most interesting choices we've been so lucky to have her i i liked how a minute ago you 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 talked about how kind of passing the torch from hell on wheels which by the way i haven't finished it yet i'm in season two and it's just remarkable um as i said it's very muddy uh it but it's remarkable it's great seeing a a star trek tie-in with calm and and everybody um that does uh that show is is fantastic i like how you talked about that passing of the torch and pike on a horse because one of the things i liked so much before season one was that was was aired but it had been announced was that poster for season one which showed pike on a horse looking up at the enterprise i i think that that's something that's always good i'd never really thought about the passing of the torch from from hell on wheels until you just brought it up and it it makes perfect sense um but question doesn't even have anything to do with Helen Wills. I just wanted to bring that up is um is it a is it a more difficult task for you to to play this character knowing that Pike knows the date and the time and what's going to happen because for the first 50 years of Star Trek we didn't know that we only knew that after season two of Discovery so um, I think uh, I think uh, John Champion was or it wasn't John Champion um, uh, Armin and Kitty were talking about the fact which is kind of cool that they're watching Strange New Worlds that that Pike knows what's going to happen when so he could go run into a burning building and save people and know that nothing's going to happen to him is that something that you think about as you're playing these scenes and 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 is that something that is still going to be in his mind in in upcoming seasons because it kind of wrapped it up a little bit at least in my mind in the season finale well so many things about about this job is odd first of all that i'm in it that's <laughs> bizarre my wife is texting me sorry that's all right uh, and i never turned down a text from my wife <laughs> happy man well happy, happy wife happy life happy spot on <laughs> uh but also uh you know stepping into the role of Pike in the, for, in the second season of Discovery, sort of joining a show when it's already up and running. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. And and coming in and playing a character where we know the first act and we know the third act, but we don't know the second act. I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. It's like playing the middle of Hamlet and then, you know, <laughs> you know forgetting about ep- acts one and five. It's, <laughs> right. It's really wild. Uh but you know the the whole thing with knowing his fate kind of i don't worry about it too much because i, I really just it's a building block of scenes and i try to i try to work on each scene specifically and and it's sort of it's also like you know i used to rock climb a lot and even though you know intellectually um because when you set your own ropes and you know what you're doing you're sa- you're safer on that wall than you are in a car doing 65 down the interstate. Mm-hmm. But 
your <laughs> your body doesn't believe you, <laughs> right? <laughs> so the adrenaline is still going to pump regardless. Yep. It's uh, I never even thought about it like that. I mean, I've been in the car with Dan before and I know we're not really safe at any speed. So I can believe that's 100 percent true, especially at our age. Um, I want to drift away from Star Trek a little bit because, you know, obviously the theme of the day, as we've talked about, is Trekism. And Anson, you yourself have have expressed a, a desire and, and, and often done work giving back. And we were talking off uh, off air before about the work you've done with the Bob Woodruff Foundation. I wonder if you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty new to supporting them, and I found them through through a great organization called Omaze, and uh, we raised about ninety thousand dollars for them uh, this this holiday season. And they are a great organization that identifies uh, programs uh, that that help impacted veterans and their families, and try to do it in a way that that they can more efficiently say than the VA. And they have awarded well over a hundred million dollars in grants uh, so far, and uh, and yeah, it, I I also do some work with Team Rubicon, which uh, I don't know if you know about them, but they are uh, a group of veterans that use their uh, experience in fast deployment to go to places hard hit uh, by environmental disasters, and it was during my work uh, on uh, the on San, Hurricane Sandy in New York when I came across them. And you, when you go down into a, in a, in an area like that, you find out real fast that there are two organizations that know what's going on. That's the Salvation Army and Team Rubicon. Uh, because, and you also find out that FEMA, FEMA is not there to come in and rescue everybody. That's not what FEMA does. FEMA, do, FEMA goes in and sets up a bureaucracy that's going to be there for a long time, as well as get, you know, start plant the planning stage for people to have transitional homes. They're not there to save people. In Team Rubicon, they go in and they identify the what needs to happen quickly and they get it done. And it's it's uh turned into a very large, very effective organization that is in in a in a funny way, uh has also benefited people who are working through PTSD because it gives them something to focus on. Wow, that's that's pretty remarkable. I mean, obviously, the, the devastation that occurred in the New York area with Hurricane Sandy is it was was pretty severe. And, and it's I've never really been exposed to Team Rubicon now, but I'm absolutely going to look them up. And of course, the, the Bob Woodruff Foundation, the great journalist who was uh, sustained a serious head injury while covering uh, the war, um, certainly he's, he's come back and, and made quite the recovery, but I know the work they do and, and they do an amazing job as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that I love about a day like today, where we're talking about raising money for Hollywood food coalition. There are so many other ways to help people, uh, which is the very heart of what Trektivism is all about. So to hear these different types of stories that we've heard, uh, including this one, Anson, thank you for, for sharing that information. I knew nothing about Rubicon either. So it's, it's definitely something I want to check out. Um, one other question I have for you with regards to uh, Star Trek is, uh, were you prepared for what it was going to be like to be now a a part of this incredible universe for the rest of time in terms of conventions and fans and and episodes and and dealing with people like us? I'll just put it right out there. <laughs> It's sort of like asking, were you ready to take that LSD? (laughs) 
<laughs> um, it, it's uh, no, of course not. How can you prepare? Uh, but it it was such a lovely experience coming into it. First of all, as a Trek fan, it had, it wasn't even on my bucket list because it never occurred to me that I could hmm. I would be on track, right? Much less be the captain of the Enterprise. And then um, when uh, it first happened, and uh, I, I believe that it was at uh, Creation Con, as I was shooting Discovery, uh, people kept coming up to me and saying, welcome to the family. You know, not welcome to the franchise, right. not, not welcome to the show, not welcome to the convention, welcome to the family. And that is really gets at the heart of what is different about this culture than regular fandom. And uh, so it's it's been um, it continues to be my 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 honor to be a part of of it as as well as, you know, <laughs> I hope it never stops being surreal to me that that I'm the captain of the enterprise because it it, it feads into my gratitude. How many people and, get and, to say that? <laughs> and you have to have you have to have a healthy sense of gratitude as an artist, or or you you won't find your fuel. Well, I think that, uh, that if you're well, we like to refer to Vegas as the as the Trek family reunion and not the Trek convention. And we hope that we get to see you at the Trek family reunion in August, um, because as you know, it's one hell of a time, and Vegas never disappoints. But um, we, we're so grateful for your time today, Anton. We know that uh, you know you got to, you got a little one in the house. You're, Congratulations! You're nursing it. You're rehabbing a foot, and uh, and your life is not dull. Let's just put it that way. No, so uh, we're not. grateful for all the time you could spare with us today. We really are. I know. She's she wants you know. My friend was asking me the other day, what is what does your daughter like to do? I'm like, whatever threatens her mortal existence. That's <laughs> Any, anything that will kill her or maim her, that's what she naturally gravitates towards. Excellent. So maybe watching. My wife is very good at saving her. <laughs> we can't thank you enough for being here. Congratulations on the success. Uh, we wish you all the uh, success in season two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm just throwing it out there. Twelve. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to talking to you again really soon. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for all you're doing. Okay, so right now we're going to bring you our discussion that we had with Scott Bakula. We actually gave him top billing for Trek Talks 2, and it was well worth it because he was fantastic. Uh, and as we've talked about already, don't forget, you can still go and watch the entire uh, Trek Talks event. Uh, just go to uh, trektalks.net, and you can still donate by clicking on any of the links on trektalks.net or going specifically to givebutter.com slash trektalks. So hope you all enjoy this conversation with myself, Bill, and the wonderful Scott Bakula. The fact that we're about to talk to this amazing individual is is just beyond words for me. You know, I could say, oh boy, to reference Quantum Leap, but I, but I won't. I could say it wrong and say he was on NCIS Nolens, but I won't. Now, simply put, he is Captain Jonathan Archer of the good old NX-01. Mr. Scott Bakula, uh, truly, I can't tell you what an honor it is to have you here today for this extremely special occasion. Thank you for being here and welcome. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's just such a joy, Scott. You know, uh, we talked to so many people, and last year after Trek Talks, we heard from a lot of people who said, you have to invite Scott Bakula next year. Um, we've heard from people this year who were so excited when we announced he was a guest. 
But I want to know if in the years since Enterprise has gone off the air, are you truly aware of how popular Enterprise has become, especially in the advent of streaming? Uh, I I probably am not. So uh, that that's that's nice to hear, though. It's it, we hear about Enterprise from people all of the time, and I think that the thing that they key in on most is Enterprise's hopeful quality of exploration. You know, Deep Space Nine had certainly its own tone going through the Dominion War, and, and Voyager was kind of Star Trek with a crew lost in space. But Enterprise kind of recaptured that that sort of spirit of what Star Trek is all about, which is kind of what today is all about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, we, we hear from people all over the place. And in hindsight, um, it, what, does that, what does that make you feel? Well, I... I have to say that when we were in the midst of making the show and when we were kind of not cut short, but when we got our, our fourth season done, I, we all talked about hoping that the show would be more appreciated as time went on. Um, because I felt like uh, we, we achieved something uh, pretty wonderful in those four years, especially the last, in my opinion, the last two and a half years, which I talked about before, but yeah. that, that kind of building through the Zindi uh, element and with the 9-11 component fusing the the writer's brains and minds and hearts. Um, you know, I, 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 we were always, I think, hopeful, all of us, that we'd, we'd put in, we'd done a lot of good work and that we would hope that we would be appreciated as time marched on. But I'm, I'm thrilled. I, uh, I, I love that spirit of the show, which is what we were going for uh, from the get-go, and um, and which is I liken it to the original show. Um, and there was that that positive. I mean, my character had that going forward, and that kind of um, just the wild west aspect of it all. But at the same time, let's let's do something for humanity let's put humanity out there in a good way let's let's try and work with other you know that he didn't go out with a lot of chips on his shoulder about who he would or wouldn't you know do business with once he got past the Vulcan thing I think he uh he it was pretty much free sailing and uh uh I I I was really really pleased with where we ended up on the show and I'm glad I'm really glad to hear that people are, are enjoying it it, it really is amazing, uh, Scott. We have uh, on on our podcast. We sometimes do what we call deep dives into episodes from all across the from all across the shows. And whenever we do enterprise specific episodes, the response that we get is is amazing. I mean, we get we get good response for all of them, but enterprise has really has really come into people's hearts, especially over the last, I'd say five or 10 years, Bill, somewhere along yep. those lines. Uh, it's hmm. really great to see. Now, Now, of course, we know that Enterprise was unfortunately short-lived. Um, it was the time of UPN and 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 all that. Now, I've heard stories that some stations in Texas would air local high school football games instead of Enterprise on Friday night, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but do you think that if Enterprise had continued, uh, if it was on a different network than UPN, do you think it would have gone longer than the four years? Or do you think everything that was happening at the time kind of all contributed to that? Well, there was a, there were a lot of things outside factors that contributed to the short, the, which again, I, I've always said, I, I'm never going to complain about four, get anybody getting four years of work on a television <laughs> show. Right. Sadly, we were being compared to the seven years that the other shows had that were all syndicated shows. Had right. we been syndicated, we would have gone an easy seven 
kind of easy breezy and our numbers were beyond what anybody else had done when we started out. But the nature of network television and uh, it was just a different animal. There were lots of changes in the hierarchy of not only a Paramount, but of the networks. And and uh, we we were there at an, kind of at an unfortunate time. And yet I, I, I still have to say, gratefully, we got we had four seasons. But, um, yeah, I, I think uh, it would have been nice to do more. Um, we certainly had more stories to tell and we had places, <laughs> places to go, but, um, it didn't work out. And, uh, you know, you can't really point a finger at one person or another. There were so many elements to, you know, the beginning of UPN and, 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 and the transition there, uh, in terms of, of Dean leaving, uh, you know, and, and just people at the, at the, at Paramount, uh, left also, and a lot of champions that were Star Trek folks kind of left during the course of the four years. It wasn't, it was a strange time and volatile time. Um, but we, you know, we, we, uh, slugged our way through it. And I'm, I'm so glad that we got the four years because there yeah. was a moment when we were only going to have three and that would have been, that would have been a real shame. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great testament to, to fandom, uh, especially. And that's kind of what this day is all about. I mean, this is about the power of Star Trek fans, Yes. Uh, you know, especially in using it in causes for good. And and I think that, that that's really what kind of is the impetus behind this whole telethon. Um, I, I want to take a moment to ask you, because we know throughout your career, you've been active with with charitable causes. Are there any that that you are actively working with now or that you'd want to mention? Um, well, I've done for years. I mean, we do lots of stuff with the arts, you know, because our, we've had kids in the arts. So we're we're constantly doing things with uh, with ballet companies and with uh, school theater programs. And and so I always tell people, if you can help out in, in any of those, uh, any artistic uh, endeavors for young people, uh, whether it's a support, a little, you know, buy a trumpet for a band, you know, that, that in your school or whatever, try and do. And that seems those are kind of smaller uh, deals, but um, the kind of grassroots parents, Kind of, mm-hmm. They're the people that keep those those things going because they want their kids to be exposed to those things. I worked with Broadway Cares for years, and I still do. Um, that's kind of like a long, long running um, uh, charity that I've been involved with. But we you know we're kind of. I'm actually in a, in a interesting kind of looking at this year as um, a year uh, to try and maybe put more of a stamp on a particular. A group. I know we do lots of work with the LGBTQ community and um, lots of support there. At animal rescue shelters. My wife especially is uh, is involved in that. And uh, um, but you know this this particular idea of, of providing food and care and necessities for people that that are less fortunate is a, is a wonderful uh, and so it's such a worthwhile. Uh, cause and I love the fact that you're collecting food, unused uh, uh, weight food that would be going to waste, and repurposing that and getting that out there because that always drives me crazy. Being on movie sets and TV sets, you know what happens to the food, and we do a pretty good job of of getting it out there at the end of the day. And I, you know, you're always like, where what where are you going right now? I said, why is your car loaded up? Oh, I'm taking it down to you know such and such. Well, it's one o'clock in the morning. Should you be doing that? And oftentimes it's a it would be a, a woman uh, from the crew who is driving food over and dropping it off, you know, and, and so I feel that our industry does a lot of of good work, uh, you know, when we're when we're working. 
um, and and making sure that people get but these kinds of causes that go on continuously and and are in the trenches every day all year long year after year that, that you're to be applauded and um and boy do we boy do we need people like you and and uh, groups like this working hard I think that's one of the things I find so amazing when I think about it. We've been involved with the Hollywood Food Coalition with our, with our good friend and, of course, your good friend, John Billingsley uh, and David Livingston for a couple of years now. I, I can't wrap my head around the fact that they have not missed a single night of providing a hot meal to those in need since 1987. That just wow. blows my mind that it's been every single night without missing a single night it just yeah it's amazing so uh, i'm so proud to be part of it and all the organizations that you spoke of i'm a big animal lover so i think it's great um <clears throat> when i first introduced you scott i, I spoke of quantum leap uh very quickly of, of course um you had the opportunity at one point during the run of enterprise to uh have a reunion of sorts with the late great dean stockwell in the episode uh season one episode detained yes you guys had a great relationship on on Quantum Leap from everything that I've seen and read in the show itself. What was it like to be able to work with him again? It was great. I mean, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I love that guy. He was he was he was such a unique person. Talk about somebody who believed in causes and he fought for the environment, which he kind of educated me on. I, 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 you know, I came from St. Louis, Missouri, and then I went to New York City, then I came to L.A. and I, I wasn't a you know, an environmentalist by any, you know, <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. And he really, you know, got me going and, and involved in things from, you know, right from the get go. And it was like, I, I need to get, I need to get this together, you know, and I need to get my, my get focused on the planet more and those kinds of things. And that's been a huge part of my life ever since one of the great things I can say working with him was that he gave me that, and and I've in turn, you know, you pass that down to your kids. And and um, so beyond just working with him, a legend and uh, a genius and an un, an amazing actor, such a giving person, uh, such an unusual person, an artist outside of of, of being a great actor, uh, an activist, just uh, he was he was a hero and to, you know, to get another chance to work with them. We know we stayed in touch and I follow, you know, we'd bump into each other at conventions, you know, and um, for Quantum Leap and Star Trek. And uh, and that was always such a such a joy. He would just drive the organizers crazy with a cigar smoke and, <laughs> and you know, and they'd become a, please, please, Mr. Stockwell, will you take the cigar outside? Oh, yes, I will. Absolutely will. Right back to it. You know. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, and I then had the also great, he came and did an episode of NCIS also. And, uh, yeah. and that is, then I saw him after that, but, um, uh, he was, he had a big, uh, very large impression on my life and how I handle myself, uh, as a actor on stage, uh, with other uh, actors and crew people. And he had a great, spirit about him I, I always say this but you know he would come in the back door after playing 18 holes at griffith park you know and we he's mad that we jerked him off the course after 16 holes <laughs> and the door would open and you'd hear from the back <clears throat> from the back corners of the stage the fun starts now <laughs> <laughs> and we'd all been there since seven in the morning or six in the morning he's waltzing in at four o'clock 
but you just, you know, we just, he was loved by everyone. And um, I just, it was, I've had a really good fortune to work with some, some mentors and some older actors in the business. And he's certainly one of my top favorites and uh, he is missed. Absolutely. I, I've been rewatching some of the original Quantum Leap series um, since the advent of, of the new series. Yeah. And it I got to tell you, man, it, it, it holds up. It is oh, yeah. some fantastic television. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm getting addicted to it and I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit it. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. People are still finding that show. You know, that's yeah. the, the beauty of streaming and yeah. all, all, all these outlets. You don't disappear like the old days. You can you can hang around and and uh, it it does hold up and people people are still are finding it. You know, yeah. young people are finding it or well, all of a sudden somebody who was young when I was doing it was older and now has grandkids. They're introducing it to their grandkid. And it, there were so many things that were valuable and entertaining and and also good for pretty much almost all ages. Yeah. Uh, and you can't say that about too many shows anymore. And uh, that wasn't the intention. It just was the tone and the nature of it and uh, the timing of it. And it's that's that's why I think it holds up, too. Yeah. Well, speaking of other shows becoming new again, obviously, there's a new Quantum Leap. Patrick Stewart has come back to Star Trek in Star Trek Picard. Kate Mulgrew is back in Star Trek in uh, Star Trek Prodigy. I'm going to yeah. throw it out there. If Alex, <laughs> if Alex Kurtzman calls you tomorrow and says, we want to do Archer as president of the Federation or whatever scheme they cook up, <laughs> would you have an interest? Listen, I ne- I'm, I've been doing this too long to ever say no, never or no to anybody. I certainly I talk to I talk to everybody about stuff. So, sure. One of the things that's great about all this new Trek, Scott, is 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 uh, we call we, you are now what we would call one of the legacy shows, which is oh, okay. it's a badge of honor in, in my opinion. Yeah. So, with all the you know, we have we've seen some legacy characters coming back recently. We saw Quark and Kira from Deep Space Nine showed up in Lower Decks this season, voiced by uh, Armin Shimmerman and Anav Visitor. In addition to coming back to live television. Have you ever done any animation work that would interest you in in doing voice work as Captain Archer in an, in an animated? I've, just, I've done a bunch of animated uh, uh, voiceover work and and, uh, and animation, so I I enjoy it. I just it hasn't come across my my uh, desk, but I do appreciate being referred to as legacy as, a pro, <laughs> as opposed to old Trek. Well, <laughs> so, it, 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 Trek is, is kind of that's very nice. <laughs> Trek is kind of evergreen. I mean, you know, yes. I, I've I've been a fan since you know I was a kid in the seventies, and I still go back and watch the original series, and it's still as relevant and salient as it was then. Um, yeah. Same with Next Gen. Same with Enterprise. Same with you know all of the other shows. So I think legacy is really kind of the perfect description because it's kind of all one big tapestry. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, the reason that it stays relevant, sadly, is that we have most of the same issues still exist in our, on our planet. Right. Yeah. And um, we have not made the jump to uh, feel figuring out that we're all in this together. And uh, I don't think that's 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 straight out of the, the Trek, you know, playbook. And, uh, you know, we got to solve that on this planet first. And we are a long, long way from that, uh, apparently. And judging by how we're living and 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 living amongst each other. So um, it is. So those stories uh, all are they remain relevant and and poignant. And um, however, they're parsed out in all these different incarnations. Uh, they're 
they're valuable. And, uh, and I've always loved Trek because it, it, you gloss it over with the space stuff, but it, you know, it, and then you sneak all the hard stuff right, right through the middle of it. And it's uh it's a thing of beauty. It still is. It, it really is. Now, if, if I remember right, when, before you took the job of enterprise, you obviously had seen the original series. Yes. Um, had you seen much of next generation at all or any of the others at that point? No, because I never liked Patrick Stewart. So that's, you know, that's, <laughs> no, no, it's actually, it was LeVar that really was that, that was the problem. Um, no, I had not, you know, uh, it came on at a time when I was uh, working. I can't remember exactly when it came on and I just kind of missed it. Yeah. And uh, if that makes any sense at all. And, you know, kids were happening and all kinds of stuff. And you, there's a time when I just watched much less of everything um, and I, you know, I was doing a lot more theater back then and that's nighttime, you know, so I never, I, I, but it's, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of it since then and I've gotten to know yeah. those people and they what a, what a magnificent, uh, crew, uh, that, that was and is, uh, and, a, a joy to, uh, know all of them and their craziness. They are just all <laughs> wackadoos and I, and I love them all. They're just, a, they're a blast. That's great. Um, we had the uh, pleasure of talking to Anson Mount a little while ago, who is the newest captain, even though he's playing a captain older to Captain Pike, of course, in Strange yes. Worlds. I'm going to ask him the same. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked him, Scott. And that is when you started into this journey, did you have any idea what it was going to be like dealing with what is most likely the most recognized television show on the face of the earth um, because of its longevity, because of the message that it brings across. Did you know what it was going to be like to become Star Trek legend uh, in your, in your own right as Captain Archer and what it means to people um, to love this show and to have the effect it does. I will say to you right now, I have never had the opportunity to speak before. Star Trek literally saved my life back in 2000. I was on the verge of suicide. And if it wasn't for the show, I would not be alive today. What is something like that to you as someone, as an actor who goes from job to job after time, what is it like being part of the Star Trek universe? Well, first of all, I'm glad Star Trek was around. Thank you. So, you seem like a, a wonderful man and you have wonderful energy, and I'm glad you're talking with me right Thank now. Thank God, Bill. <laughs> um, you know, I'd had a, I, I had the, I had the, a taste of it with Quantum Leap because mm -hmm. it's basically it's about the sci-fi fan. That's really right. what it comes down to, and. And so I'd gotten a, an inkling of that. I did Lord of Illusions, so I got some more yep. sci-fi and mm -hmm. you know Clive Barker stuff. And I did a couple other. Uh, I did Invaders, and I did some other things. Oh yeah. So I did the the reboot of you know the the miniseries of that. Yep. Um, so I had a a sense of it in terms of um, you know the demanding nature of a sci-fi fan. And I've always found that to be um, just a driving force to be good and be better and be truthful. And and because what I discovered was, and, and even though this was at the early stages of of things lingering on in the in the Ethernet, um, that um, we you know whatever you do is going to be around and going to be picked apart. 
and it's going to be treasured or are, are not treasured. And um, so there's a, you know, there's a responsibility. And I like that. I, I, I've always I thought this is good. And I like this fan. You know, you can be you don't have to be afraid to to ever dumb it down for the sci fi fan. Mm-hmm. And I so appreciate that. I know writers appreciate it. And I think the fans appreciate it because they're, you know, they're like, they're, they're being challenged and you've got to live up to the challenge. So I think it's a, it's a wonderful marriage. It's why I've done so much sci-fi in my life um, because I, A, I'm a sci-fi fan. I love sci-fi, but uh, I, I like this. I like the relationship and, you know, I've got fans, Quantum Leap fans from the first Quantum Leap convention back in 91 or whenever it was that are still follow me around when I'm in the theater in London or wherever, you know, and they show up and now I've got Star Trek fans that are following me now. That's 20, you know, we went off the air in 2005, but that's a lot of years now. And, and there's a responsibility and there's a, um, it's just, it works. I think it works great for, for an actor and for the the fan to have this kind of relationship. Nice. I was just thinking your next sci-fi project should probably be a, a revisitation of the Disney Sunday night movie. I man, there you Which go. you did in 1986. That's right. That's right. Uh, I left that out, but that was the first one. Yeah. Oh, well, I know. I watched it. Um, <laughs> I remember watching that in 86 going, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And then when you turned up on Enterprise, I'm like, hey, that's the guy from I-Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly, you and I went on separate paths for about two decades. <laughs> yeah, we did. We At did. <laughs> what, what, what can I say? I, well, I mean, you know, I was a I was a teenager then. You know, it uh, it, it, it there were some strange years, Scott. I got to yeah, tell you, it's, it's all right. It's okay. It's okay. But that's that's quite a jump from I Man to, to, to Enterprise. It is. So you, you miss Quantum Leap then? Uh, I actually I, I saw it kind of because you know I was doing the whole college thing at one point, and of course you oh, have yeah. different priorities in college. I got um, you. Yes, beer uh, was among those. Um, yes. We've only got you for a few more minutes. I want to ask you, you know, as a you're an actor, I mean, you work professionally. When you unwind and you want to binge something, what, what do you what do you disconnect with? What do you like to put on? Well, we we kind of we watch a lot more yeah. more than I more than I think probably we ever used to um, because because of the opportunity to, to you know to grab something mm-hmm. to not have to be there on Thursday night at ten o'clock. Right. Uh, be able to, to, to pick it up. But, you know, we watch we're we, you know, we, we watch, every, you know, little bits of everything. I'm fascinated to see what actually what's the date today. Oh, so your honor just is out. So I just, I keep looking at that billboard. Oh, Cranston. <laughs> Brian. Yeah. And it looks like, is he King Lear or what is happening here? And, uh, and I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to see how, how, they solve another season on that show, which which was great. Um, of course, you're asking me, and I'm I'm blanking on other shows, but um, you know, we watch political stuff. We watch that we you know that we bid you know um, Bill Maher every every Friday if, you know when he's around, and yeah. um, but you know we've watched we've watched the the murder through life murder shows that are that we're all being hit with now that we're going to yeah. have for years, but we've en- we've enjoyed those. Um, we watched, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking of stuff that's flying in my head. We watched severance that, that when that, oh, that was so good, right? Some unbelievable performances in that. Yeah. Um, the old man, I mean, we're, we're kind of, I, I, 
we feel like we've watched it all during the yeah. during this whole yeah. COVID era. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, I, you know, I it it seems like so old news to say, you know, I love Ted Lasso, but uh, well, you know, I just love Ted Lasso, and then I never thought I would like Shit's Creek, and then that came on, I was like, oh my god, this is so yeah. Great. Those they were so that was uh, anyway. So I, I, I'm a television fan, and then I you know we do the movie thing too. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Scott, because it, it's interesting that I hear no from a lot of actors. Have you watched Enterprise? Have you watched your own show? Because oh, sure. I've talked to a lot of people that don't like to watch what they've been on. So yeah. I'm glad to hear that you watch it. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. No, I did. You know, I was I I was involved in, you know, I, I saw every, all the dailies. And so I was involved in, in that uh, at the time. And and uh, uh, and I I I like to see, you know. That show also is different than like a straight ahead drama or, you know, there's so many special effects and you're working with all these people yeah. every day. And in a way, I, you know, I, it's a, you, you, I'm honored. I was honored to work with those people on our show yeah. because I mean, I was felt lucky to be in the middle of these, all these geniuses who are just, you know, and then you'd see what they did with, you know, we turned it in and uh, here it comes and oh, holy cow, you know, that's, that's, that space fight was amazing. Yeah. But I was just rocking inside my little, you know, ship along with everybody else <laughs> and uh, uh, feeling foolish, but, and, you know, and the makeup and the and the costumes and all of those things, those, we had so many e extraordinary people working on the show. I don't know why our show didn't win 10 Emmys every year yeah. for just the technical side of it. It just, there were, the, you know, what Bob Blackman did, you know, every week was insane. And, and, and Michael, and, you know, anyway, and you'd see other people winning the makeup and everything. It's like, okay, that's nice. But it, we were like in another league and I, I can remember competing on with other shows. Like when I was doing quantum leap and we were competing with star Trek shows that were on. And I thought, well, we're never going to win anything. Because how can you beat, look at, they've got that orchestra, they've got the, you know, and I would used to walk across the alley and sit sit in with the orchestra when they were recording stuff and and just be, you know, it was a big deal. Yeah. It, and it still is a big deal. Um, and 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 it was it was meaningful to me to be a part of it. I'm just glad you didn't say you only watched the episode with Billingsley in it because you would have been done in like 10 minutes. <laughs> less, less. We love John. We had to give him. <laughs> yeah, we can keep kicking him all the way out the door. <laughs> One more turn of the screw. Well, right. well, Scott, we hope you we hope you know that that Enterprise is truly loved by this fandom. You are truly loved by this fandom, yes. and we so genuinely appreciate your your time tonight and, and your your showing up for for Trek Talks. We hope someday we can chat with you long form on the Trek Geeks podcast. But until then, it's been our honor and privilege to have you as a part of this telethon, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. I look Thank you very much, to Scott. Talking with you guys again. It was a lot of fun. Thank awesome. you so much. And good luck with the rest of the of this fundraising uh, event. And and uh, again, thank you for doing it. Well, hopefully, maybe we'll even get you for Trek Talks 3 next year. We'll keep you in the loop. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. Take care of yourselves, guys. Well, that was a pretty jam-packed episode with lots of celeb power. Um, well, and John Billingsley. Oh, ow. <laughs> <laughs> he's never going to listen to this. No, he's uh, never. He's never going to live no. it down either. <laughs> That's true. Um, 
as you mentioned before, Trek Talks is a lot of work and it is well worth doing. And there will absolutely be a Trek Talks 3, which you and I will very much be a part of. Uh, the work has already started, um, you know, and uh, next January, we hope to bring you a, a, an even better slate of Star Trek programming, all to benefit the Hollywood Food Coalition. It really is amazing to think of what we've done so far. And I'm not, I'm not saying this self- selfishly. I'm actually thanking all of the Star Trek people that have donated their time to come and spend time with us so that, that we can help raise money for such an amazing cause. So it, it really is humbling to see these people donate their time and all of the people that are listening and watching donate their hard-earned money um, for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We could not be more thankful for everything that everyone has done. And like you said, man, I'm looking forward to the development plan planning and putting together TT3. TT3. I like that. Oh, God. We've created a monster. Yes, we have. (laughs) Yeah, Dan, uh, one of the great parts of this past year's Trek Talks was some of the musical interludes. We had such great performances by co-host Bonnie Gordon, the uh, voice of the computer from Star Trek Prodigy, the Roddenberries, who put on some great, great music. And of course, how could we not mention our friends, the band Five-Year Mission, who, who got together at a theater mm-hmm. and recorded these videos for Trek Talks. Yes. Their performances were lights out. You know, it was them on a stage live with no audience, but you never would have known it. Um, it just that much energy and everybody loved it. I'm pretty much thinking we're going to have more music next year, but um, we're just excited that five-year mission was a big part of the day. Head on out to fiveyearmission.net. You can get all those albums that they were playing songs off of super easy. Get them shipped right to your door. Don't bother with those digital things. Get those CDs in your hand, get that physical media so you can own it forever. Fiveyearmission.net, Dan. Absolutely. And you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to talk to the guys over at uh, five-year mission, see if they want to maybe start writing a song specifically for Trek talks three and Hollywood food coalition. For the big event. That would be kind of cool. I'm going like to get on that. Exactly. I'll get on that. But uh, being a part of this amazing event really has got me thinking, man. We raised $110,000. Just absolutely amazing. Hollywood Food Coalition is such a great organization. And we're so honored that we're a part of helping those less fortunate who depend on that organization so much. But it also got me thinking of the time that we did that fundraiser once before and and, and nobody gave anything. I mean... I, I don't really blame any, but can you really blame people? Drummers be drummers, you know. Maybe it's the fact that it was the Hollywood Fart Coalition was part of the reason. I don't know. Just thinking out loud, putting it out there, seeing if it'll stick. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Because we got New such a, year. Yeah. Same old you. Yeah. Same terrible fart as Boom. But different. Thank you. But yes, but different. It's going to get I mean I I know that the 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 plateau is really high already. I don't know if I can get over it, but I'm going to try this year. I mean cuz they're so they're so good. No. <laughs> no, you're the Uncle Rico of of, of Farkism people. Like you can't even throw that football over the mountains. I mean that's it's just uh I I thought that for the Hollywood Food Coalition you would at least try. Um yeah. that ship has sailed. Yeah, like at the end of The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Anyway. Wow. Right. Uh, Don't forget, (laughs) you too can support the Trek Geeks podcast network by subscribing to us on Patreon. So many wonderful people, Dan, um, that we we talk about and mention every single episode, but we truly would not be here to do any of this if not for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We we 
we cannot be more thankful. And right now we want to take a moment to give special thanks to our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are, like I said, so grateful for their support. And they are Vikram Bhatt, Chad Clark, Corey Clay, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Jim McMahon, Aaron Mollenkoff, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, I'm almost done, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. Oh, I see. 2023 is off to the proper start. Yes. With Arnold visiting the podcast. You're very welcome, yes. You're very welcome. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Casey Pettit, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shafsky, Terry Shaw, Jim Stoffel, Chris mm. Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, for now and all time, is Jude Tatman. For now and all time, the Tatman. I love it. You too can become producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and it's so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. I'm going to make a rapid change to your copy as I speak right now, mm. but Dan... Two weeks from yes. now. It's a number that is truly mind-boggling. <laughs> and I say that because I'm out of town next week. Um, it's a number that we are so truly humbled to announce. And who would have thought uh, I would have been able to put up with you for this long? <laughs> I, I certainly knew that. I didn't think you could. I still don't think you can. And I think it's all fake. Um, yeah, congrats to you, my friend. Uh, here we are. I never would have thought that more than eight years ago when we started this journey that we would now be only one episode away. It is episode 300, and it's all right here on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. It's, wow. It's it's mind-blowing. 300 episodes. Um, yay for us. Certainly, we're not the longest running. Certainly, we're not the best. But... Uh, we have fun, and that's really all that matters. We really for do. more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts here on the network, which are the best. I will say that mm -hmm. right now and you know, declare that very vehemently. Uh, we have so many fantastic shows on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and they're all created by passionate fans who just want to celebrate this franchise we love and the vision of Gene Roddenberry. You can find all our Trek Geeks by, and where to listen by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one, <laughs> no one talks Trek like we do. Dare I say no one. They can try. They will fail. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek show, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 299 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Golconaut. Ooh, that was loud. Yeah, it was meant to be. Let's try it softer. Coconut. 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 How about I say coconut 300 times at the end of next week's ep next time's episode? I quit. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. 
For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Heidi Ho and Bing Bong to you, Dan. Happy New Year, Bing Bong, pal. A little late. Yeah, well, but- <laughs> it's February 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's the first time we've actually sat down to record Trek Geeks. Yeah. In in the new year. And as we've talked about already in the episode, our uh, our eighth anniversary. Yeah. Happy anniversary. My happy God. Happy anniversary. Eight long arduous years i kid I eight kid, years that have brought a lot of a lot of different things yeah really have i mean i'm sure we'll get to some of that next year and uh, next week in the or next episode in the 300th episode yeah, yeah. Um, because i have to go out of town next week but um it's i don't think either of us thought we'd get past one year let alone <laughs> make it to eight simply just because at the time we just didn't really grasp the whole Trek podcasting landscape. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you said to me when we first started this, and I had no idea what it was all about, you said most pod- podcasts will get past 10 episodes. Um, yeah, the ones that are going to fade, yeah. fail before the 10th. And here we are. So uh, I'm very thankful. I've had a great time doing it all. Looking forward to what's coming. And uh, it's good to do it with you, man. And I mean that. I'm not being a smartass, even, even though this is the outtake. You jerk. I, I was going to say, <laughs> I, now I can't I, I can't make a standard reply like, well, yeah, it's all right to do with you. Um, <laughs> Cut you off at the pass, so to speak. I know, you really did. Yeah. Yeah, it's Last year, I, I think that, you know, 2022, I, I think we thought it was a year where, you know, we would get back into the swing of things, and, yeah. and we really kind of did. Um, the year started off rough, but... You know, especially with work. Yeah. Um, work uh, was, was unbearable God. this time last year. Yep. Um, it really was. But I, I really feel like 2023 is going to be a, a phenomenal year, not just for us, but for the entire network. Uh, you know, we've we've already started Vegas planning. Yes, we Literally, have. Literally, it's six months from today, Vegas happens. <laughs> and uh, or six months from, you know, like right about this week, Vegas happens. And we are already knee deep in planning. Can I tell you how excited I am? I think I've said this before that it's at the beginning of August this time. Yeah, yeah. You, you can. I'm a little less excited for that because I, I liked it slightly cool, cooler, a little deeper in the month. Yeah, I, it's in Vegas, so that doesn't mean anything to me. But I'm just glad that for for people that have kids that start school, um, and I actually have a couple of things later in the month of August anyway. Um, so I'm just glad it's back on the on the regular schedule uh as picard would say um at the regular outlet it'll be interesting to see if it's still at rio next year yes that's true i i don't know if it will be yeah 
if I were betting, I'd say I don't think it's going to be. Okay. But I just hope to God it doesn't go back to uh, Dally's, which no. is now the horseshoe. I don't like that idea at all. And that was a horrible, horrible experience. Yeah, it wasn't great. It was not great at all. But it was still fun to do certain things and see certain people and stuff. So, yeah. One of the things we've already started planning, and for those of you listening this far, who may have gone to the party last year in Vegas, is a very different party in Vegas. Um the 2022 party did not meet our expectations because the venue let us down yep. uh, significantly. They didn't think we were going to pack the place. We did. They didn't have enough staff to to serve the people that showed up. And then they hired a just terrible, terrible music um, during the party, which they didn't spring on us until right about when we got to Vegas. Yep. Um, and it affected a lot of people. A lot of people yeah, weren't happy about it. We weren't happy about it. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, there was nothing we could do about it. Uh, we can guarantee that this year, that isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, we'll tell them now. We won't give any details. But as of right now, we are planning a live recording of Trek Geeks at the 2023 Fan Geeks party. Okay. <laughs> <You don't> t- <laughs> no, no, I'm very excited. I'm just like, oh God, what's this gonna be like? But it's you know, we've done we've done recordings live at places before, not live live. This will be live live. Um This will be live live. Yeah, but it'll it'll be interesting. And when well, is it we, not interesting when we got fan sets with us? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, th- that's true. I mean, well, we we recorded ourselves, you know, on, on the Roddenberry stage last year. That was live. Yep, that's true. Yep, that's true. Um that was fun. you know, so this will be a, a you know, a, a bigger and and Boozier crowd, which I'm very happy for. <laughs> Boozier is always better. That's my um, hashtag for today. But I, you know, for those folks that are like, well, if you're going to do a Trek Geeks, what happens? That we're still going to do the same amount of massive giveaways. That oh we yes. Do. Oh god yes. Um, that goes. We're still working out the the architecture of the show, but at least one hour of it will be a dedicated live recording of the Trek Geeks podcast. I'm up. I'm up for it. I I just do. You tell me. I just so. Yeah, so I'm aware, which means I wind up doing a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, you tell me what to do, I do it, and you do everything else. So, hey, win. How about for you? Me. F off. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to tell you, you. I think you. I'm not sure if you put me onto this. Totally different subject because you know we like to talk about different things here. In the we outtakes. do. We do. We do. I started watching Tulsa King. I did turn you onto it. I uh, I am on the fourth episode, and I've got to say. I have never been more impressed with Sylvester Stallone in my entire life with all of the things he has done. He is absolutely phenomenal in this show. Um, my wife is a little skeptical to watch it because, l- let's be honest, he's had some work done. And it's a, it's, a, no. it's a little hard for her to look at him as a result. But I still think, I think he looks great in this role. I think it fits him perfectly. And I'm into a new thing where I'm going to start. It, it, it was the Picard maneuver in Star Trek where where Jean-Luc would pull down on his on his tunic. I think I'm going to start fixing my jacket by like shrugging my shoulders and, and buttoning the front of the jacket like Sylvester Stallone does in this. Because it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I said it. That's That's really all you brought? I, I, he's fantastic. He's like Kevin Costner in, in, in Yellowstone. These actors have been around for decades, but some of their best work are on these TV shows. I largely think Kevin Costner is one of the most untalented actors in Hollywood. Um, and I usually don't like to dog on actors because usually the, what they do is only as good as the material they got. Mm-hmm. But I just, Yellowstone is really the only thing I've truly 
appreciated yeah. Kevin Costner in because I think he's working his ass off in that yeah. show. Yeah. Tulsa King genuinely is, I'm not a big Sylvester Stallone fan. Mm-hmm. Tulsa King genuinely is the best thing he's ever done. Oh, it's, it's so good. And like since Rocky. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not, you know what? It won best picture. I'm not a Rocky one fan at all. I'd never have liked it. I like three and four better than I like one and two, which is oh, kind of, I'm serious. Terrible. For the entertainment value of it and the, and the, and the campiness of it. I've always enjoyed four and the five. I don't, I, I don't think I've seen that in like 20 something years. Um, but I, I genuinely have liked the th- third and fourth ones better than I like the first two and first two won best, uh, the first one won best picture. So, but yeah, this is his best work. He's fantastic in it. And I'm glad that they're doing a season two. I, I didn't remember it winning Best Picture. I, I knew that he won an Oscar for Best Screenplay. Pretty sure it did. Um, Pretty sure Rocky won Best Picture. You, you could be right. I, I don't I don't really care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm honest. Oh, oh, I, I'm okay. really, I'm honest. But this is some of the best acting that Sylvester Stallone has done in his career. Um, and, and I think that says something. Yeah. Um, I, I think we, I'm interested to find out what you think of the end of the season. They they have renewed it for season two. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, once you get to it, because I have some feelings, okay, which I I, I shan't articulate now. All right, um, only because I don't want to spoil anything. Right, for you. no, I, no, I appreciate that. Yes, it did win Best Picture in 1976. Okay, along with uh, writer and actor Sylvester Stallone. I didn't realize he was nominated for acting. Uh, actually, I could be reading that wrong because I'm reading it fast. It made its writer and lead actor Sylvester Stallone a star. Is what the first Rocky did. So, yeah, there you go. So yeah. Cool, cool. Well, congratulations. Yes, congratulations to Stallone. And I guess he's in a new commercial now for Paramount Plus, which also has Anson Mount and uh, and Mariner. Um, and Sylvester is climbing his own face. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, he is. <laughs> a, and I I believe it was shot like a bunch of the other Paramount commercials where none of those actors were in the same room at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah. it's obvious. Wait a minute, that- weren't they on Paramount Mountain? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. In eight years of doing this podcast, our outtakes have gotten infinitely longer, and we're closing in on ten minutes here. Let's and go. Nothing of value. Nothing of value has happened. No, I get to That's, say how great you were, but if you don't want to take that as value, I guess I, we don't have to. I just, I, I it, it's, it's once in a lifetime. I mean, <laughs> I, I know that this moment will never come again. At least it's recorded for time and all eternity. There you go. There you go. Um. So yeah. Oh, and by the way, um. It's going to be freaking cold this weekend. Oh, uh, going to be? It's freezing out there right now. They say that the- Just wait till tonight. Yeah. The temperature, when I was listening to the news at 8.30 this morning, the wind chill was minus 83 on Mount Washington, and they said it was going to get down to about minus 125 before all was said and done. So that's They're pretty chilly. Based on the atmosphere, um, tonight, the Mount Washington Observatory in New Hampshire could actually wind up being in the in the stratosphere- as opposed to the troposphere, based on the way the the the, wow. the the cold front is coming through, yeah, um, the temperatures on Mount Washington tonight could be roughly a hundred below or more. That's unreal. That's a hundred below zero Fahrenheit for yeah. those of you listening, yeah. outside the U.S. Uh, right now, here where we live, it's ten degrees above zero, but the wind chill is making it feel like ten degrees below zero. And it's middle overnight, of the afternoon. yeah, overnight it could feel like thirty below zero, mm-hmm. and tomorrow night it's supposed to be like forty or fifty below zero. But then Sunday, it's going to be 40 degrees above. So. Yeah. Well, New England. Oh, so, yeah. Yep. A little nippy out there. I was out there driving around, and it's very windy and very cold. So, anybody in New yeah. England, stay safe. Stay insulated. Stay inside. 
lots of short, short walks with your dogs or, or other animals. Um, skin can freeze within 10 minutes mm-hmm. in this weather. So, well, of course, by the time anybody listens to this, it's going to be warm again. So, <laughs> you ready to do it? I'm always ready. Ready. That's a lie. That's true. <laughs> What's the topic today? <laughs> How much Dan Davidson sucks. Here we go. Whoa.